we was we got disrespected a little bit before the game. Guys calling us out. We're a tougher team. We're grown men over here. We got a whole bunch of gangsters in the locker room. Not thugs, but tough guys on the court. And we went out there and zipped them up at the end of the game. That's our motto, zip them up. And that's what we just did to them. But what do you think? It's right after you were in a, had an at-bat. You didn't have really time to relax between innings. Did that have anything to do with it? No, man. I mean, I just fucking walked to guys. This game's pretty tough. So if it sees anybody throw anything onto this field, point them out, and get them out of here. You don't live in Cleveland. Sports Intoxication is back for your listening pleasure. We decided to give you a week break. Sometimes absence makes the heart grow fonder. Sometimes absence is just absence. And maybe your life was better without us. But I doubt it. Um, I really don't see how that math works. This is Sox. Joined by Matt tonight. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. And and no Brian tonight, um, unless he decides to make a surprise guest appearance. Um, so, as we said, um, it's been a couple weeks, and we were doing weekly podcasts for the first few weeks of the NFL season and the Joe Burrow era. So, since we last talked, the Bengals have gone, drumroll please, 0-2. Oh yeah. Um, one, a very predictable loss to the Baltimore Ravens, which we all called the loss, but we all want to, or we all chose them to cover the spread, and they definitely didn't. No. <laughs> um, and then last week's, what I would call a new way to lose for the Cincinnati Bengals uh, of the Zach Taylor era, Against the Indianapolis Colts, jumping out to a twenty-one nothing lead with six seconds into the second quarter, and then uh, just coughing that away to lose. What was the final? Thirty-one twenty-seven. Oh yeah, thirty-one twenty-seven. No. I think. Yeah. Yeah, because two field goals. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Um. So we want to talk about those um, couple weeks. What we took away from each game. So we're not going to you, – you, you probably already watched um, the games and then watched the tape, obviously, like we do. Yeah. Um, all, all, the, all 22. All 22, yeah. <laughs> um, but I just want to we'll, – we'll do it game by game just so we don't – because they were very different games, uh, just so we don't jumble our thoughts on – and they were totally different games for Joe Burrow. The defense. For the coaching staff, for the defense. Um, so let me get your thoughts on the loss to the Baltimore Ravens, which the Bengals scored three points. That was a 20. Seven to three. Seven yeah. Seven to three. I mean, that, that one kind of felt predictable. I think we probably all um, were a little too optimistic, I think, maybe going into that game. Um yeah, it's really the first time that Burrow has looked like a rookie. Um, and, you know, Baltimore's defense obviously uh, is quite good. Uh, they have, they're not what they have been in years past, but they're still a good team. And, um, you know, they also just traded for Yannick Ngaku or whatever his name yeah, is today. Yeah. So, so I mean, uh, they have 
Calais Campbell and him now on the ends, edges. I just think that game really kind of exposed the Bengals' offensive line when you go up against, you know, blitzing high-pressure teams like that. You're not going to be able to do anything offensively with this offensive line against the better teams in this league. And, unfortunately, um, you know, we saw it there, and we're going to see it probably a couple more times here coming up in the next few weeks. But, um, you know, I thought that game, the defense was really about as good as you could expect or hope for, um, really to hold Baltimore to 20 points. That last touchdown was a defensive score for Baltimore. So the defense did a great job in that game. They contained Lamar Jackson. Now, granted, there was an injury with that. You know, he wasn't probably 100%, but, you know, they still played well, and I thought it was a really good game for the most part for the linebackers that they drafted. And, um, you know, I, I continue to be impressed with them. So that game really didn't shock me all that much. It was more a matter of, all right, that's a big freaking problem that they have on the offensive line. And they're going to face the Ravens again. They're going to face the Steelers twice. They're going to face the Titans who have a good defensive line. Like, can he can Burrow stay healthy with that type of offensive line against these elite defensive lines? That that was the biggest takeaway for me from that. I would agree with you, but and I'm not letting the offensive line off the hook by any means, but I would also I think Joe Burrow shares some of that blame for sure. holding the ball too long. Yeah. Um and I think that and I we've talked about this a million times on this podcast. I, I don't need to say it again, but I will. I'm not a football schematic expert, but I felt like the coaching staff, because Baltimore wasn't blowing up the, the Bengals offensive line with four guys. They were sending exotic blitz packages. If it's coming from a corner or a safety or a linebacker or the defensive ends dropping into coverage, it what they were doing is really confusing. Yeah. The offensive line, which the offensive line isn't good to begin with. We know that. Um, but – and maybe there's some guys on there that aren't smart. Um, and, I, I mean, like, I, I don't know this. Like, I'm just saying, like, they they weren't able to pick up anything. And part of that, I think, goes to the coaching staff. And part of that goes to the scheme from the coaching staff to have somebody back there, whether it's an H back. I don't know. Like, I feel like – we see so many situations where you have a tight end blocking a really good defensive end or a really good linebacker. And, um, you know, on these national broadcasts, they're like, you can't block right. this X guy, this, you know, player X with your tight end. It's just not going to work. And what I see from a lot from the Bengals offensive lines in these situations is a lot of one-on-one where Drew Sample tight end should be should be chipping a guy or pushing that guy or the tackle should be helping him. It's just it, I don't know. Like again, schematically, I'm not uh, an expert, but it just seems like they should be giving guys help. Um, and so I think that was a failure of the coaching staff, big time, um, to not. And, I mean, they said all the right things afterwards. We were prepared for it. We just didn't execute, like, blah, 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 blah. But what do you expect them to say? That they weren't prepared right. for it? Um, so, that was a disappointment for me. 
as you said, Joe Burrow looked like they made him look like a rookie. Um, and that's going to happen. Um, yeah, especially Junior mentioned. Yeah, I mean, especially in that type of game when he's getting destroyed, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, kind of, yeah, just makes it look well. And the things, the things that were happening, I felt like two or three times in that game. The one time that he fumbled and that got the scoop and score, but there were at least two other times where he got hit from a guy that had already ran past him yeah. and had already ran up the field on him. And Joe's got to know that those guys are going to come back for him, especially if he's sliding in the pocket their way. And so he's got to either tuck it. I know he loves to be creative and keep the play alive and try to get a receiver to get open and throw the ball. But against a team like the Ravens, I feel like you got to, if you're, if you're not going to be able to stay in the pocket, get out yeah. of the pocket and go. Yeah. Um, so that was my – and then – but you're absolutely right about the defense. And um, schematically there, you have to give a ton of credit to uh, Lou Anarumo and his, his staff because they were able to contain – they held Lamar Jackson to his career-low rushing yards, um, which I didn't realize that. wasn't good for – yeah, for wasn't good for your, yours truly yeah. in two fantasy leagues. Um, but no one – no one really gives a shit about that. Um, so, a good job with that. Re- early, they got hurt by those, those 20 points you mentioned. They got hurt by the tight end and uh, Marquise Brown. And the Bengals said after the game, we knew they were going to go to 15 and 84 or whatever he is. Um, and, and they said, for the most part, we shut that down. So, from a positive standpoint, they had a good game plan on defensively and – um, they made adjustments to to slow down, especially in the second half, um, the Baltimore yeah. offense. So you hope in those situations it's a learning experience for the team, for the quarterback, for everybody. Um, on to a very different kind of loss. At Indianapolis last week, uh, like I said, Bengals run out to a 21 nothing lead, and the offense looked phenomenal. Asleep. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they were just they, – they get an early turnover, um, and they punch it in. Like, they did things. They scored three touchdowns, obviously. Those are things that Bengals don't do. The Bengals usually, when they score on three consecutive drives, it's 9 nothing yep. or it's maybe 13 nothing. Um, But to score three touchdowns, they were using a little bit of Geo and a little bit of Joe. I know Joe was a little banged up, so maybe that was part of it. But I like the sub-packages where they have both running backs on the field. And maybe they option one into a pattern. Maybe they option both of them into a pattern. Um, so I don't want to get too far down the road here before I ask you your thoughts on what transpired the rest of that game. Yeah, I mean, it was a great start uh, offensively. You know, first things first, defense comes out, gets a turnover right off the bat, which, you know, Colts just handed it to them. But um, great start offensively, um, defensively as well. But I mean, even when they're up twenty-one nothing, you know, ninety-eight percent of the teams' fans in this league feel really good about their chances of winning that game. Uh, I would imagine maybe two percent of Bengals fans probably thought they were still going to win that game. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it was just, yeah, it's, it's fair. just. Um, it was almost like it was too good to be true for the first quarter. Um, and unfortunately, it was defense couldn't stop anybody once 
the Colts got the ball back down 21 nothing. I don't know if Indianapolis punted again the rest of the game uh, after punting the first three drives or turning the ball over and then punting the next two drives. Um, and unfortunately, the Bengals offense, Indy's defense woke up and, you know, they lost the game. And again, Burrow has a chance at the end to kind of win a game, gets him in a spot, and unfortunately just doesn't see a guy. Um, but really, it's just, that's just a really frustrating loss. One of what four already this year, or three, three of the four losses are games that really could have gone the other way. And at some point, very at some point, you know, I know only a year and a half in, um, we need to we need to start winning some of these games because at some point it does come back to coaching and getting stuff done and, and figuring out a way to make a play um, and get your guys in the right spots. And they just weren't. You know, the defense could not stop anybody that second half or the last three quarters of that Colts game. It was run. Philip Rivers looked like he was 10 years younger than he is. Uh, guys were just sprinting wide open. Um, you know, I just don't understand some of the stuff that they did in that game defensively. Like, why not try and pressure him more? You can't just let him sit back there and pick you apart, um, which is what he did. Absolutely. Just picked yeah. him apart. That's that's where I kind of like I I alluded to the adjustment in Baltimore the week before. But if you as a defensive coordinator, if you can't get to the quarterback with four guys, how do you not just start sending people? And I'm saying sending people on two downs out yeah. of three. I'm saying use those kind of exotic blitz, pa- blitz, uh, blitz packages that Baltimore was using. Disguise your blitz, whatever. I mean, like just. Like he, they were coming with four guys, and Philip Rivers, who is a statue at thirty-nine years old or whatever he is, was he had time, he could move around if he needed to, and then he'd make a throw. The Bengals had consecutive third and nines where they stopped him for the first two plays or had a penalty or whatever, and they gave it up both times because Rivers had yeah. time and. It was so frustrating. The other thing that was frustrating for me about that game was the the way that that ended. It's really easy to say Bengals had a 21-0 lead. They didn't convert in the second half, which is true. Um, But they did have two scoring drives in the second half, unfortunately. Both of them led to field goals. They did get it. What's that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, no, they had 24 at halftime. Uh, so they had, they scored three, 24 in the first half. They had one scoring drive in the second half that led to a field goal. But obviously my point is that two field goals after they were up 21, nothing. If one of those is a touchdown, then you're at 30 points. Um, and then I have to say it, but Brandy Bullock doing someone off the upright. If he makes that, it's a 31-30 game. And then when the Bengals are driving, they probably aren't being as aggressive. Like, look, Joe Burrow made a rookie mistake on that drive. They had two timeouts that they brought back to Cincinnati with them. They 
we're at about the 40 yard line. <laughs> inside of that, yeah, I think inside of that. When he threw that touchdown, and there was still at least a minute left on the clock. Um, so they had time and timeouts. Like they, he, they didn't need to be throwing a 20 yard pass in that situation. Um, which, again, whether that's play calling or a rookie mistake, obviously Joe didn't execute it and didn't see the guy. Um, but the my point of all this is that if other things had happened earlier in the game, maybe the Bengals are up 33 to 31 at that point. Like it's just, um, you know, the missed field goal, the two drives stalling out. Um, and to be honest, Randy Bullock's been really good this year except for the okay. infamous yep. leg cramp and then this one at Indy. Um, but that was kind of my another takeaway for me just because um, there were opportunities. And that goes to your point of I think this is what this whole discussion then becomes about is you as a team have not figured out how to win. You as a team and a coaching staff – have not figured out how to hold leads or hold late leads like Philadelphia. Um, and time for this fan base is fleeting. Like people aren't interested in seeing another year where you win two or three games. People want to see progress. And I would say at this point, Zach Taylor and the Bengals are lucky that they have three remaining games against the NFC yeah. East. Um and still the Miami – I mean, there's still winnable games on the schedule. But if the Bengals aren't, I would say, a five or six win team, really six wins for me, um, then I'm not seeing a lot of progress. The other side of me, like the practical side of me, says if the Bengals are in a bunch of games and they lose them and they win two or three games this year, they're going to have a higher draft pick and they're going to be able to get a more talented player but um, there's also right now not a lot of faith that they can develop those picks into the quality that they need to turn this thing around. And do they have right. the coaching staff? I, I mean, I still, I mean, I go back to what I've said before about, you know, Baker Mayfield and Cleveland. And I would, I really hope, and I think he will, but I, I would like to see Zach Taylor really kind of no matter what, um, Maybe not no matter what, you know, but I really want to see him get another year because as a rookie head coach last year and then in his second year with a new quarterback, he's obviously still been growing pain, um, kind of learning on the fly. Um, and I do think they play relatively hard for him and, you know, they're competitive in a lot of games. Um uh, what, 0-11, I think, is what they are in one-score games now under him. Um, no. They won the Jets. Uh, yeah, game. it's true. Yeah. That was a late one-score game. But um, but I think – I do think he'll continue to grow and hopefully get better. Um, you know, problem is how much time do you give him? Uh, that's, like, the question. And I do think you need to give him – Another, unless you're dead set that he's the wrong guy, which I certainly don't think they are, based on the conversation that we had with PDJ earlier this year. Um, you know, I, I would 
expect him more than likely to come back next year. Now, maybe make some other changes, but give him and Burrow at least two years together to see kind of what they can do. You, you know, Brian mentioned our text chain, you know, Cliff Kingsbury, you know, last year, Arizona and Kyler Murray, and they weren't particularly good. I think they won four or five games maybe. Um, and you can see. Including a, a one-score right. game over the Bengals. And you can see, I mean, they're, what, four and two now. So starting off on a better foot. As I, I don't know. It's it's interesting. Now, Cliff Kingsbury's been been a head coach before, granted, not in the NFL. Zach Taylor hasn't. And, you know, the Bengals are probably, what, four plays away from being four and two versus, you know, what they are now. Now, does that come back to coaching? Does that come back to, you know, your coach not being experienced? You know, what is that? It's just such a – there's so many moving pieces that are involved. And it's not – just black and white, I don't think. So, um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see, but I think you're right. I do think they need to string together a few wins for team's sake, for t- Taylor's sake, for the fan base sake, you know, get the four, five, six wins. Yeah. So. And I think the, the, the Kingsbury thing is interesting because, yes, he has head coaching experience, but he just got fired from yeah. Texas tech and then he became a hot name for offensive coordinator with a lot of big time power five teams and some NFL teams. And then I think uh, Arizona just was like, screw it. Let's, let's give it a shot. The other thing that happened in which this is not in any way going to happen here. Um, but the other thing that happened in Arizona that was really bold and smart was they had just taken a quarterback in the top 15, 20 um, with Josh Rosen and they traded him and said, we're going to draft Kyler Murray number one overall. And that as a, as a NFL franchise, that is a big thing to swallow. Um, And, Mm -hmm. It's. I commend them for doing that, and good for Cliff Kingsbury to get the guy that he wanted to get. And it's somewhat similar to the Andy Dalton, uh, Joe Burrow situation for Zach Taylor. That Zach Taylor was like, "Look, this isn't going to be my guy uh, for quarterback." And the Bengals had the opportunity to take uh, what many believe to be a somewhat generational talent with uh, Joe Burrow. That also kind of leads me into our next little chat about the Bengals um, is, and this ties into the Zach Taylor thing too. The Bengals have some Marvin Lewis era veterans that are still on the squad that are causing a little bit of noise. Um, They're not upset. They're not happy with playing time. They're not happy with the way they're being used. So on and so forth. Uh, Talking about Carlos Dunlap, um, who's been probably the most vocal Gino Atkins, who never talks to anybody about anything, but apparently isn't thrilled. Um, and then AJ Green, there was the situation in Baltimore, which kind of died down. And now he had a great week last week in Indy, which was great. But um, saying all this to get to the point of in a couple of weeks, the NFL trade deadlines here. And well, John Ross is also out there. Um, the Bengals have some guys 
that I think that other teams would be interested in. And um, this is where I applaud the organizational thinking of Arizona to move on from a guy where it seems like the Bengals are just like, nope, that's our guy. We like Billy Price. We like John Ross, even though John Ross doesn't dress and Billy Price doesn't play. If you could get a seventh-round pick, right. I mean, so that's a little bit of a venting frustration for me that one of the things that Paul talked about um, on their podcast this week was there was another athletic podcast that's has a former NFL GM or something on it. And um, they started talking about the Bengals and they said, we it got to the point where you don't even call them because they're just going to tell you no, or they overvalue their guys so much that it's not even worth making the call. Um, and you Dick or Duke Tobin's famously been quoted as saying, it's not my job. It's not, we're not in the business of making other teams better. And that's yes, so yeah. short sighted. It's so short. Yeah, that's a terrible way to look at things. Um, that it just makes me nuts. Uh, sitting here. I think the interesting one there is going to probably be AJ Green. Um, You know, if he can have two more kind of compelling good games like he did against Indianapolis, you know, kind of show he's healthy. Cherry can still do some things. You know, then you might be able to trade him. I don't know that they actually would. um, But that's really, I think, to me, the biggest chip they have. Is kind of hoping that he continues to improve, and then I would I would get rid of him. Sure. the The biggest right. hurdle there is nine million dollars for another team to pick up. But but I totally agree with you. And we've on our text thread, people. I, I me personally, I've said trade them all or do whatever. In retrospect, you're not going to get anything for an aging Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap for uh, a their production this year and b their um, yeah. dollars is no one's going to take on that money. Um, so Paul mentioned cutting them. And if they continue to be a problem in the locker room, that's probably the best move because guys that were literally signed off the street yeah. a month Starting. or two ago are getting yep. more. They make you, I mean, being more productive. I mean, I, obviously they're playing more, but you know, Gino Atkins, yep. I don't think us. Saw or heard has recorded a stat this year, other than playing a few plays. Which correct for being your highest paid player. That's uh, that's a problem, right? Um, but the good, if you want to look at the positive side of that, is that those guys are both they're signed next year. But I don't think there's any chance that they'll be on the team next year. They cut them. Yep. It frees up a bunch more money that uh, you can use on the offensive line. You can use where you need it. Um, I think you probably see – you could see some extensions this year as far as uh, uh, hopefully they – if William Jackson keeps playing well, I'd re-sign him. Uh, Jesse Bates is probably up pretty soon, and he's played yeah, uh, he's at a very high level. Yeah, he's safety in football. Uh, yeah, which has been good to see. Um, so – that's all I got. Oh, no. Um, prediction. 
This prediction. Bengals are at home against the Cleveland Browns. So the Battle of Ohio. Um, the Browns just got thrashed last week by the Pittsburgh Steelers. And uh, are the favorite? No, they're getting three. Cleveland's favorite by three. No, getting three. Um, so Brian has phoned in his order, and he has ordered up a Bengals loss, Browns 30, Bengals 26, so no cover. Um, I'm going to say the Bengals cover in a another – well, no, I'm going to say it's a push. I'm going to go 33-30 Cleveland. Um, another somewhat high-scoring game. I don't think the the Browns' defense is other than Miles Garrett uh, and Denzel Ward, but uh, but Bengals scored the ball, pretty, or moved the ball yeah, pretty well did. against them. Yeah, they did. Hopefully, Mixon's healthy, and I think if Mixon's healthy, um, I am going to go with the Bengals uh, for an outright an outright W in this one. I will say twenty four. To twenty, who day? The second time nice. this season. Twenty-four. I'd love to see it. I just don't think Cleveland's that good. Uh, uh, I think Baker's hurt, and I don't think Baker's very good. Now, granted, I could be way wrong, but um, I agree with you. I'm a little worried about um, the Bengals health as well because William yeah. Jackson has not practiced this week with a concussion and Phillips has had an illness. Hopefully I think he has a really good chance of playing if he just feels better. Um, and Sam Hubbard got hurt in that Baltimore game. So, and then reader got hurt for the year. So that's also not to backtrack, but the, the indie game, um, not getting pressure from your front four, it makes a little more sense when you sure. don't have your two best. Well, I'd, I'd throw Lawson in there, but uh, two of your three best defensive yeah. linemen with Reader and Hubbard out. Um, but injuries happen. Yes, they do, unfortunately. So, moving on. Um, not a ton else going on right now, but the, the World Series is in full swing. It's an off night tonight as we record but they are back at it tomorrow and um it's been an interesting first couple games um it's tampa and la yeah a couple good games um i guess game one was kind of a a blowout but both games kind of were but dodgers kind of fought back there last night to make it interesting um yeah, I mean, tomorrow will be a, a fun one to watch. Um, I think the Dodger, I think the Dodgers are going to get it done um, this year. I think, you know, Mookie Betts has been just phenomenal player for them in the playoffs and really all year, and I think he's going to be the difference that they've been missing the last few years. Uh, I think it's probably going to go six. Uh, I mean, it's got to go, got to go what? Five at this point, but I think it will five. go six. I'll say Dodgers four. Um, 
four two, and you know I wouldn't be shocked either way. The Braves have been you know one of the feel good stories of the year, um, but I think the Dodgers really just probably have too much talent. And you give them these off days now, I think it's just going to free up their pitchers to get at least a day of rest, uh, which they haven't been able to get. Um, so I'll go Dodgers in six. Mm-hmm. Their lineup is sick, the Dodgers. Um, the The Rays are fun to watch because if you are not a baseball um aficionado you may not recognize anybody in the race lineup um but they're a good team and they have good pitching they're a good bullpen um so i have the race winning in seven so um we'll see what happens with that what will definitely happen which is very much an oddity in sports is either tampa bay or LA oh, yeah. is going it's to true. get their second championship in the last three months because the Tampa Bay Lightning hoisted the Stanley Cup and the Los Angeles Lakers lifted the Larry O'Brien trophy. Yeah, with the, yeah, yeah. Uh, about a week uh, ago. Let's see. The Bucks probably have a decent chance. The Rams are all right. Chargers, no. So Tampa's probably got the best chance for three. Right. But it's probably not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Um, so, really, that's all and we got. The, the, the future uh, national champions kick, one, kick off their football season on Saturday. <laughs> oh, wow. That was a bold prediction. Um, yeah. There's, there's a, a huge addition to the college football slate. Um, which I'll be honest, I'm a Michigan fan. I have been watching college football the past few weeks because of the matchups like Georgia Auburn, because of the matchups like Georgia Alabama. Um, I've been watching those big time games, but yeah, Saturday's going to yeah. carry a lot more um, excitement for me to watch a team that I actually root for. Um, and they're bringing that's in a, good, a new quarterback. Yeah, that's so a great game. That'll be fun. And they're playing the Minnesota, I mean, which at Minnesota, right? So, be a, a tough one to get going. But... Yeah, for sure. And the Buckeyes play. Yeah. Yeah, High State schedule is pretty laughable. I mean, they have Penn State and Michigan, and that's really it. And Penn State's on the road, obviously, in front of nobody. Um, and their two best players aren't playing. So, are you going to be as an Ohio State fan playing Nebraska? Are you going to be sentimental and watching this game with a little extra fervor? Because a month ago to six weeks ago, Nebraska wanted out of the Big Ten. So maybe this is the last time Nebraska and Ohio State face off in what's become yeah, a no, classic. Big no, Ten I battle. probably won't. Um, Unfortunately, I have a wedding at one thirty, so I won't even get to watch the second half. But the game will probably be over by halftime. So I think last year Ohio State won by sixty. So you know, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Yikes! But good, good, good call on pointing that out. Yeah, it's going to be exciting to have it's teams you care about. You know, as an Ohio State fan, as you're a Michigan fan. 
And and just it also makes the whole picture of watching the top five, top ten team yeah. play a lot more interesting. Um, Absolutely, adding in all these teams that are that are highly ranked. Um, so that'll be great. Um, the last thing I wrote this down here, so we remembered, which I think will be two for two. But our, uh, mm. our WTF or what the fuck moment of the week. Um, and I'm going to go with, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll yeah. give you a second to think about it because I kind of sprung it on you. But um, I'm going to go with Brian Chase not being on this podcast. What the fuck? I mean, it's been two weeks. Like, I doubt he'll listen to this. I'll probably never hear this. Um, but no, Brian's Brian's busy. He's getting stuff done. Um, maybe I can switch my what the fuck to um, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of choices, but how about blowing a twenty-one nothing lead and just Zach Taylor? <laughs> was, a lot yeah, of my my what the fuck was going to be the twenty-one nothing lead, but I, I'll say. Uh, from a personal standpoint, it's realizing that I have to go to a wedding on Saturday at one thirty. Um, but anyway, <laughs> that'll be great. Um, yeah, they're fun. Fall weddings. Been there. Why are you doing that? Although we both got married in the fall too, so um, <laughs> tough. <laughs> um, no, what the fuck was I was supposed to play golf Saturday morning in Columbus. Today was I'm supposed to be playing this coming Saturday, so two days. It's 81 degrees today, perfect, you know, great. Saturday morning, our tee time's at 7.30, and it's supposed to feel like 34 degrees, so we went ahead and just, can't, we went ahead and just canceled that tee time. Oh. We'll go ahead and pass on that one. Yeah, I don't blame you at all. Yeah. Today was beautiful, and tomorrow's supposed to be beautiful. So Yeah, uh, unfortunate. You, but, you know, picked the wrong day. Well, well, hopefully okay. next week we're back talking about a Bengals victory. All right, well. Yeah. Um, and as I mentioned to you and Chase, we're, you know, we in the next couple of weeks, if we do our Reds offseason preview, we're quickly, quickly approaching college basketball season. Yeah. So then we're going to have a Xavier preview. And then we're going to have to start talking about Xavier games. Um, so – that's exciting um, to to have something else and something. Yeah, it's going to be great. I can't wait to talk about because uh, I think they're going to be a fun team this year. So uh, until next time. Yeah. No, I'm good. Cheers, everyone. Me, have a good weekend. And the podcast. Yep. See you guys next time. So you better make up your mind what you're going to do. It's your football team. Find a way to fix it. Reach down inside and be a fucking pro.